Okay, we're at we're at Brooke's house at lunchtime, and she has her peanut butter and jelly. Yep. And her chips, and she said, "I'm not going to eat this while we do this." And I was like, "I mean, you can. I can hear if it's a sound." And now she's thinking about her own YouTube channel. Listen, guys, I know it's a thing. I know it's a thing. There's a lady on there who eats crab and lobster with her long nails. You hear her nails hitting the lobster and pulling it apart, and then her chewing and dipping oh in the butter. And people, people sign up, millions they of watch followers, it. to see her dipping, like get all dirty and buttery, and then slurp it. People sign up for that. Isn't that weird? Are you a little bit okay? the The generation that is only on YouTube, right? They don't. They're not watching anything that's streaming. They don't care. They're only watching youtube creators it, it's, it's a different world once upon a time you watched what was on the tv which was like four stations right and that's and all you just watched that's it. it's the like, only options yeah now With commercials so individualized and specialized to what your unique tastes are which i think is a little bit weird because we just get deeper in the holes and then we watch it for hours we like i get i really end up very disappointed if i get committed to a show and it's and then it ends and oh, there's it, nothing there's, left it's a grieving process. A good book. Whereas, remember the series? time when, like, you had to wait week to week? Okay. Oh, the what, what were the shows you never missed when we were just watching cable? Oh, I'm so embarrassed. Oh, cable? Yeah. Well, TGIF, number Obviously. one. Obviously. Obviously. But. What was your favorite show on TGIF? Family Matters. Really? Family Matters was a More so one. than Step by Step. I like Step by Step, but. I'll you know what you. I randomly Googled the other day in the car with Ryan? I don't even know where it came from. I said, where do you think Steve Urkel is? <gasps> no, I saw one of those smart cars. You know, one of those little cars? Mm-hmm. And Hagen said, that's a weird car. I said, Steve Urkel drives that car. He sure did. And um, Hagen was like, who's that? And I was like, Ryan, what do you think he's doing right now? Do you know when he was Steve Urkel and then Stefan Urkel in later days um, that he was only like tw- 19 or 20? Was he really? He was super young. So he's only like in his 40s right now. But he's not on the radar anywhere. Moral of the odd. story is he's doing nothing. Hey, but you know what? Good for him. He got the heck out of Dodge before he got weird. Do you think he wanted to? Probably. There are a few people who preserved their futures by walking away from Hollywood. They made their millions. They made their name known. Got he the did some voiceovers. He did some voiceovers and some cartoons. I can't remember which ones. He could be he, like Alfonso Ribeira, who can't give it up. And what is he doing? He's doing um, uh, America's Funniest Home Videos. Man, just stop. Just poor stop. Guy. It's so te- It's so corny. It's so bad. It took me like a second to place that. That's Carlton from Fresh Prince. It is. It took me a second to place who that was. Apparently, because of his role in Fresh Prince, he was never taken seriously for any other roles. So he could not land a job in Hollywood with a serious role. I believe that. I think it's rare that you can break. But he was also on sitcom television. I don't. You don't see a lot of crossover between someone who finds fame in sitcoms and a long-running sitcom show. That's fair. Because your, your character is so well-known. Mm-hmm. I am surprised. You know who I'm pleasantly surprised by? Friends. The cast of Friends, especially like Jennifer Aniston. Yep. She broke out. I mean, she did lots of stuff, but I don't know that any of the other ones did Phoebe, now that I think Phoebe's about had it. little roles, nothing big. But she's You're in thinking like of like Night of the Roxbury or something, aren't you? Well, what is it that she did? Romy and Michelle. She's an easy A. Was she? Mm-hmm. Well, now that I think about it, that might be it. <laughs> <laughs> she was in Romy and Michelle, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, so has she really broken out of it? She's still getting paid somewhere. Oh, they're all getting paid. Because friends, royalties. where do you not see friends sure. running? Sure. Like you can turn on, what is it? TBS at mm-hmm. any point. If you're a cable or YouTube TV person 
and catch friends. That's fair. And I still laugh out loud at it. I You're not a friend. I can't. Well, I think I would like it if I gave it time, but I need more murder, mystery, drama, suspense, oh something gosh. in there. I need somebody to die and I need to know why it happened. This is so strange to me that you are the way that you are. Like, you're a seven on the Enneagram. You're a good time gal. That sounded bad. I'm a good time gal, everybody. Just ask Mark Pankratz. You heard it here first. I mean, you're there for the fun of it, right? I and am. then, but then you're also like, who can murder somebody? Also, there's fun in that. Let's figure that out. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying I'm trying to kill anybody, but let's find out who killed them. That's a good time. Do you remember Clue? That was my jam. Clue was. Clue caused me so much anxiety, it was though. A butler in the oh. library. Oh, it caused me so much. The little weapons, the With little pieces stick. that you had to keep up with. Like mm-hmm. it was the knife and you put them in the little envelope. Mm-hmm. Gosh, what happened to Clue? I don't know. Let's bring it back. That's where, This is where it all started. Actually, you know where it started for me? Are you afraid of the dark? I loved it. Loved all it. I can remember is the swing by itself squeaking. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> it gets me. I don't. My girls don't watch it. Bunch of sissies. Because it's terrifying. I don't know. You introduce your kids early on to some. They like the walking dead at about age three. And then after that, the thing is, she's no, not kidding. But that's, <laughs> but that is, that's what we're here to talk about today is life 101. Okay. I'm ready to tell you where I failed. Not because we're the experts, but because we have walked through some seasons that we get a lot of questions about. I and, sure and it's hard to always do an episode on specific seasons because I'm always thinking, how many people does this actually impact? How many people is this helpful for? But this is just one course. Okay. We're not going to charge you life 101 cheat sheet. This if is, you will. This is, if you will. You're real, you were really proud of that. You said it was. So if you will. <laughs> you said it with the Everybody's confidence. Everybody's tuned in now. I know. Okay? They they're are, they're in. laying it in at this point. But it's the advice for the seasons that we've are already walked through. Okay. But we're going to take it back. We're going to. She's put the chips in her mouth. She's eating the chips. And they're okay. sour cream and onion. And you're facing me. And I'm going to be smelling that. I'm going to be smelling no, it. No. While it's we're, a gift. <laughs> okay. We're going to take it back just to those college days. That's where we're going to start. Okay. We're out of high school where, did you always know where you want to go to college? No. No? No. How did you end up? You started at Tusculum. I just I was going to go wherever I got scholarships to Okay. Because you wanted to play basketball. Wanted to play basketball. Okay. See, I was convinced I was not going to stay in Knoxville. I refused. I was going to go somewhere else. And isn't that a little ironic from the girl? Where did you have yours? I was going to go. I thought about Nashville. I thought about Georgia. And I thought about Kentucky. So I didn't want to be like really far away. But I wanted a, a, a restart. You know, I just wanted like... I think everybody needs it. Right? I just wanted to leave high school. And I knew because the the part of community that I live in and have always lived in is very tight-knit. I mean, everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows everybody's business. They do. That's the problem. You got to get away from that. Everybody. And I was like, I'm going to I'm gonna get out of this. And you know what? I didn't. I ended up at uh, University of Tennessee, which I loved because I talked to two people from high school when I went to college. And lost touch with everyone else pretty much as far as like a closeness like my people were all brand new when I got to college and it's because I had that mindset going in of I'm gonna make friends I'm gonna build new community I didn't know I had that mindset but hindsight I was I was in it to win it you know and so you're in college freshman sophomore whatever year you're meeting with your advisor you're being asked one million times what do you want your major to be what do you want to do with the rest of your life what do you think is next for you what do you wish you would have known in that season. Oh man, I was so not ready to make decisions. Um, the, the maturity level for me just wasn't there, if I'm being completely honest. I, and I and I also live life flying by the seat of my pants and making decisions on a whim. 
However, if I had to do college all over again, I would at least narrow down true passions, like a general vicinity, not that it had to be a specific, a specific field of study, just a general direction. Um, cause what I have my degree in, I don't use now. Like it's, what is your degree in broadcast journalism? <gasps> yes. That was my minor. I remember that now. I do remember that. Now. I was ready to be a news anchor. I was too. And That's, guess what? Yep. I don't want it that. I don't really? Want that. I wanted a talk show. Mm, I, you could I, do that well. I initially thought what are you news. Doing now? This is kind of like this that. This is kind of like that. I initially thought news, and I wanted to be on Good Morning America. I love Good Morning America. I love Diane Sawyer. I loved, yes. See, ESPN would have been up your alley. I See, I don't feel like you were that far off as far as what your gifting and ability is. But I really didn't want that life because once you spend any time researching way. that, you find that you have to go to a smaller town to you get have started. To work your you have way to work up crazy for a long hours. Time. Can't have a family. Mm hmm. For and at least a while. I also didn't want to bring the sad stuff all the time. Like, I, I think it hit me my second year of college. Gosh, this is sad. Because I was starting to have to write for newscasting and all that stuff. And I thought, they are always bringing the bad news. And I don't want to be that person. So then I shifted to, I'm going to be a talk show host. I'm going to be like Ellen, just, you know, like, minus the preferences. Okay. <laughs> that didn't work out either. But how did you, so we say, I wish I had kind of, leaned into what I actually, my passions, but did you not kind of feel like you were like, how can you decipher? How do you figure out what that I, is? Once I got in it, there was no go, going back and I didn't love it. I didn't mm. love it from day one. Didn't mm. love it. And I just felt like I've already changed my major. Actually, when I started, I started at a school, Tusculum college, smaller school. It's where I went and played basketball and the field of study that they, I was limited to was athletic training. I knew I wanted to be around athletics. Healthcare in general though, is not my forte. So Taking care of people, um, I learned I didn't love. So when I moved to Tennessee, I switched to broadcast journalism. So I already switched my major. So after that, I'm like, I'm committed. I'm here. It was a little bit of guilt. I'm here. I've already got a fifth year. Tag on. You, have you noticed long term how sometimes you're not as bad about this? I think you grew out of it quickly. But especially for women in particular, how long we will stay with something or stick to something because of the guilt of... It's almost like admitting you can't do it if you quit it or if you switch it or change your mind. It's like we feel like we can't change our mind. Well, I felt like a failure. If I was, I'm already mm-hmm. going to be there five years. My my first year of college wasn't accredited or they didn't match at Tennessee. So I've already lost a year. I'm not going to be there for six years. I already had my sights set on Mark Pancratz. I was ready to have his babies and get married. You were done with it. You were there for it. your MRS I knew, degree. I knew what I was doing. <laughs> for someone who is still trying to figure it out, you look back. What are What do you suggest some things to do? to figure out what you should be leaning into or what you might want to do moving forward out of college. I mean, I think some of it is a luxury not everyone has, but if you can spend time in a field of study, like in the summer in high school, or I mean, they call it internships now, but if you can just shadow people that you think one day you'd like to do what they do, you can find out pretty quickly whether or not that's realistic or not. If you Mm -hmm. could see yourself checking in nine to five, but the world's changing so much. And so is the, the, the uh, employment atmosphere. I mean, mm-hmm. so many jobs that didn't sound great could be kind of great now. You can do it from home. You can mm-hmm. travel. You can do it on your own schedule. So I think just actually spending time in person, seeing what they do. I mean, that's a luxury a lot of people can't afford, but gosh, that'd be okay great. it's okay if you don't like it. It's oh, okay. Oh gosh, that's the best lesson. Learn it now. If you get in it and you're like, this is kind of not great. It's not ex- at all what I thought it was. And so it's okay to change your mind and, oh, to, yeah. and to try something else. Well, I think we, we what, what do we call it now? The age of, uh, where people are quitting? Resignation. Oh yes, the great resignation. The great resignation. So people are realizing like, none of this makes me happy. I don't feel appreciated. I don't know why I'm pursuing this. And they're not realizing it till they're 40, 50. Yeah. You know, like what if you could kind of start figuring that out now? So I have thoughts on that. Number one, 
don't quit a job that provides income for your family or for yourself without a backup plan. That sounds mm-hmm. terrible, but especially when you got people that count on you, just at least explore other options before you call it quits. I just think that's wisdom there. Um, but two, finding something where you feel valued, like that changes your life. You can, mm-hmm. if you've ever been in a job where you don't feel valued or heard or your skill set or your God given gifting is being used, you got to look for, you got to start looking for a place, even if it's not paying you yet, you got to dip your toe in the water. It also has a lot of long-term effects. So, you know, in that moment, it might feel awful and you're just like, okay, I can just power through this. Like we always do, especially I was thinking about this and, and I'll talk about this a little bit in a later episode, but, um, I think women specifically to go back to that, we are used to powering through for the most part. I mean, I think of something as silly as like, you and I joke around about it all the time, but when our husbands are sick, they respond to it completely differently than we do. Mark's not too bad, but yes, like you'll know they're sick you'll know they're sick because I'll mention it 75 times over and over again. And you're like, I don't, you know, I had it. You probably caught it for me because I had it last week and you didn't even know I had it because we're just, we don't have a choice. We're going. Cause I got to get the kids dressed and somebody's got to eat that night. And I've got I mean? to get go. up and do stuff. Right. And so I think though we take that, but we apply it to everyday life. So let's say you are in a job or in a circumstance, maybe you're in a relationship you're dating someone or you're showing up for a job every day and you always walk away feeling way less than, right? Like you, you always feel incapable. You feel like maybe I'm, you're questioning your gifting. Well, well, maybe you are actually really good at your job, but you know that you've hit your ceiling there or you're not appreciated or your people are threatened by you. Let's be specific here. Well, and so then you think I'll just power through it. You know, like I'll just, just keep going, just keep showing up, just keep powering through it. And I just think, and I am never one to be like, this is the point where you need to make a change because that's a you decision. I can't really ever tell you that, even though I so badly wanted everyone to tell me. But I think you have to take note of that and start asking yourself those hard questions of, is is this for me? Who am I out of this? What kind of fruit am I producing? Should I shift or change? And I think if you can start training yourself to ask yourself those questions early on, even in college, with a major in a relationship, does this person actually make me better? Am I closer to Jesus as response as a result of, of this relationship? And even if it's someone who maybe is outside of what you believe, but still they're either pushing you toward or away. Always. Every person has some kind of impact on you that I think I don't, re- I didn't realize that until my thirties. I didn't realize that there was such a huge, isn't that weird how all of a sudden like each year you're older, your eyes are open to so many things you wish you had known. Like I'm, I'm in that same place too, nearing 40. It's like, oh my gosh, how did I not see this? Why did I not feel that way? Why did I not pursue that? And hindsight really is 2020. But there's so much fulfillment when you're around the right people that champion you. And you don't want just people who say the right things because it makes you feel good. No. But if you're using your gifts, like whatever fires you up, whatever. I mean, if you like making wicker baskets, I don't care, but you're really good at it and you enjoy doing it. And there's the right people around you. They're like, you're really good at that. That's really cool that you do that. Run after that. It's create an Etsy business. I mean, I know that sounds like a weird niche thing, but we live in a weird niche market now. And there's something for everybody out there. We were just talking about people eating food where Mm -hmm. you could be heard. Yes. Well, you keep hearing that phrase, a gig economy. And that's literally, you can do anything right now and, and make a profit. But Going back to what you said, when you have people who champion you, when you are trying to make these decisions and you are trying to decide, 
the importance of a community of people around you who know you and love Jesus. Like they know you really well. They love you really well. And they love Jesus. Those are the people that you let speak into and identify that. I'm like us, do you know you're good at this? I mean, this happened to me, literally happened to me this morning. I dropped taken off. I was walking out. People were talking about asking me about the collective and I just, I was talking to him and I'm very, I, I like to move away for those conversations that I never want to, I always feel like I'm like, come be a part of this with yeah. me. You yeah. know, like I just never Let know. me recruit you to join. Yes. Like I never know how to talk about it. 630 tonight. Yes. Back roads market. It starts to feel like, I don't know. <laughs> but she said, Hey, I just need you to know you're made for this. Like, Oh, that's awesome. You are made to be doing this. And I cried. I cried right there on the spot because you're constantly questioning yourself. And like you said, not the fluffers, but the ones who are like, hey, I see this in you. I don't know why you're not doing it more. And I can see now looking back how God so specifically placed those people around me and in my life. And the same can be true for you. Like, look around at the people who you have. Like you said, you who is around you matters so much in terms of the decisions you make. But that even counts for after college. Here's another thing to realize. Some of the people that are your closest friends and your best allies in college may not be around in your adult life. They That's scatter. A, this is a great place to talk, start talking about that because don't mourn the friendships you don't have anymore. Like you can still look back on really fond memories with really great people and they can still be a part of your life in other ways. But like maybe that you're not close friends like you used to be that's okay because friendships are seasonal they are seasonal for the most part there are those lifelong friends but for the most part I don't hang out with the same people I hung out in high school I don't hang out with the same people I hung out in college I have a whole different friend group and God has specifically placed these people in my life for very different seasons Mm -hmm. and I for a long time thought why can't I hold on to these friendships forever why aren't we so close that's okay they're not meant to be but they were for that you needed them for that season yeah you know and I think to a degree, there is such a kindness and provisional aspect of that, of who God surrounds you with in each season. Because that's what I was thinking about for after college. You know, you're trying to get your feet under you. You're trying to find your people because all of your college people have scattered, right? You're going back to your hometowns or to jobs at other places, and you're trying so hard to maintain it. And it's like, okay, I'm trying so hard to maintain this. I'm not building any new community. Um, and so with that in mind, what do you wish you would have known as you, and I mean, you already said a good one that friendships are seasonal. Like it's okay to that person. There's distance there, not intentionally. It's okay because a new season means new people. It so, does. how do you lean into that? Well, you got to plug yourself in. I mean, you got to make yourself available. Don't be mourning not having those close relationships when you you've not made an effort to be available. I think a church small group is the probably the number one way you truly get intimate with people in a season of life where you, you need those people to really pour into you and be open to. Um, if you're not doing that, like if you're not a believer or you're not a believer that's plugged in, um, I don't, I don't know where you get that. I mean, do you join a, an adult kickball league and find some friends? Maybe I have done that. I did adult dodgeball. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Listen, I'm all about the activity, but what I'm saying is it's really hard to forge friendships with an intimacy unless you're in a place where you can be truly vulnerable. And an intent, intentional friendships. Like you can have work friendships. I mean, you and I have talked about this all the time. I think our friendship developed because of working together. I mean, we were, we were around each other. It was logistical. Yeah. It was just like, it was based on proximity, which is not a bad thing. But if you're not paying attention to who those people are around you and being intentional with just a handful of friendships, you don't need 50 friends. No. And you're you my only friend. Don't branch out ever I know. again. We, I can't, just, I can't do this again. I can't have everybody know I my business. Is it not a process? <laughs> I think that's why we shy away from it. Cause it is, it's like, step. I will tell you when it clicked in place for us is our first Charleston trip. I was thinking oh, about this the other day. Good times. I was sitting at a uh, picnic table and 
I just was haggard. I was just so tired. I was so busy. And I just said, I just need a trip. I need to go to town. And you were sitting there and you said, let's go. Let's do it. Let's go to Charleston. And you booked it right then. And that's how I roll, baby. Who wants to go on a trip? Who needs a friend? Who said, let's do it. I will book a trip for us right now. And we left. And there was not one moment of discomfort. I mean, we were already good friends at that point, but it like sent us over the edge at that point to, to go on a trip together. It was a good trip. It was such a good trip. And we had to stop because the oil in your car was going out. Every time we drove Callie's Subaru anywhere, we had to stop. We had engine trouble. We had a Nashville trip and it happened. happened. Why were we going to Nashville? We went to go see Tom and Brooke in the hospital. (gasps) Yes. Yes, and that's what it was. you're pumping with your handheld pump in one seat. We're driving. Oh my gosh! The car, the engine lights come on. It's like locking up on us. We pull over. We have to stop in a gas station, put oil that doesn't belong in the car into the car. We tell with these these do gooders. We're trying to act like they needed to come help us. We're like, listen to us. We're strong, we independent women. We, we will get this thing up and running. Same thing happened in Charleston. Oh, we had no idea. I forgot about the handheld <laughs> pump in the car while I'm driving, trying to get us. That'll oh, also forge gosh. a very vulnerable friendship. You Listen, know what I'm saying? We had already crossed the We've lines. Been there. But it is hard to do. And I think the awkwardness in the first little bit is hard to push through. You know, like yeah. the, are we going to be friends? Do I really like you that much? Do you like me that much? Do we match up? Like, it's like dating. You well, gotta, and it's also weird because... If you're if you're meant to be friends and you've got a kinship that's like really close, you're going to be friends. But it's just a bonus, and you really want to pursue those relationships when your husbands like each other, mm-hmm. when your kids like each other. That's the stage of life we're in now. It like, does. It makes who can it so much who's can we spend time with this evening? Who the kids will play with, and you guys can hang out, and, and I'll easy. have a wife to hang out with. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. that isn't that the truth. When okay, we talked about how it can feel like dating. Let's go into the dating world for a second. What do you need to ask yourself before you settle on the one? On the one, what do you need to know? You gotta. I just think you gotta be. You can be. Um, you don't have to be lined up on little stuff, but you have to be lined up on the big stuff. Like you gotta. If you're a believer, I hope you guys are listening to this. You can't go into a marriage not knowing their heart for Jesus, and even if you know their heart and they're not a believer, you gotta set a boundary. Like I, I'd love to explore our future with you, but we're not spiritually aligned, and help them take next steps. If they're not willing to take next next steps. They're not your person. Mm. Isn't that so? You know, we we're taught, especially if you're in the South and you grew up in the church, right? The number one thing that we are taught when you date someone, they have to have a relationship with Jesus. They have to be a follower of Jesus, whatever. All of that. So true. But for me, I've realized in the, these conversations is it's not always just do they follow Jesus. It's how they follow Jesus. Oh, like, yeah. How are you seeing that play out in their life? How are they leading themselves? Because... This is who's going to lead you and your family. And I didn't know it then, and I, I see it now, but there's qualities of people that I I didn't realize I desired, and that thankfully God knew my heart, and he made that in Mark. But I am so in love with Mark's work ethic. Mm. I am so in love with like his temperament. Those things are good to know. Are you hot-headed? Well, you can't marry a hot-headed husband. Are you um, erratic? Well, you can't marry an erratic husband. Like, I'm not saying cut ties with someone. You have a great relationship because you think that you guys are too similar in so many ways. But I will say marriage is such a delicate balance. Like, God specifically gave me Mark because he's the polar opposite of me in so many ways. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. That's what everyone says about Ryan is that he is the opposite of me. Mark grounds me. Mm -hmm. He's my calm. He's like steady and logical. 
I'm the crazy and wild. My favorite thing about Mark when I watch you all, number one, you know I love Boss Mark. Like, yes, he Mark can be has such this a boss. He's CEO Mark. When he's at home, he's just so gentle and just like, you know, I mean, he's just fun. like, he's just playing with the kids. He's fun. He is. He's kind. But when he goes into boss mode, it is a difference. I like it when people it get is, to experience boss mode because I'm like, ooh, arr, he's sexy. Stop. I can't. I can't when you do this. <laughs> but like, he's a take no crap person too. Like, somebody challenges him. He, he just doesn't play and it, I was like, I'll never forget the first time I experienced it. And I was like, oh my, what, this what, is it. What was it? It was um an email. So we were trying, he wanted to do oh. a cling for you in the garage for your birthday. And he just didn't want to deal with the details of it. Cause I don't blame him. And he knew that I would know how to navigate those details. Cause that's, I've done it a million yeah. times for other things. And he trusts you implicit with you. Yeah, and he was like, Hey, can you just, I'm going to connect you with the person that I want to do it. And he did. He sent an email and he said, Callie's calling all the shots on this. Just send me the bill, whatever. So I'm like talking with them and I'm asking questions and apparently they didn't like the questions I was asking and they went around me and copied Mark and said, Mark, is this what you want? And Mark responded and said, as I previously stated, <laughs> Callie is calling the shots on this. So if she likes it, I like it. And I was like, okay. And then you're like, I think oh, I could work for you, Mark. I, know, I literally was like, will you hire me? Because I'm would. in. Listen. Just, but it is when you see these sides that balance you so well, mm-hmm. but also on the flip side, not even that, what I was, the point I was trying to get to was, um, there was one point Mark and I were talking about something you did not want to happen anymore. You were like cutting it off because you don't like frills. You don't like extra and mm-hmm. you're cutting extra in your life right mm-hmm. now. And so Mark and I are standing in this kitchen talking about the one extra that maybe you need to add back in. And you walk in and you look, and you said, what? And he said, I just really think you need to add this back in. And you're like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And he was just like, okay. Like he knows, <laughs> like, he know, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. he has learned that sometimes he can counteract you and sometimes he knows it's not the time. He's also like, I love Bro- boss Brooke. <laughs> Listen, I'm the boss of this house. No, I'm not. He's, he's such the boss and I love it that way. But, but finding someone who can read you well, and that comes with time too, he does. but who wants to learn to read you. Oh, if you've got a significant other male or female that you don't feel like you can speak clearly like you can't communicate clearly to and that they hear you that's a huge warning sign Mm -hmm. like mark wants to hear my heart on everything like Mm -hmm. he wants there to be clarity the the fact that there are people that operate on like vague notions of what they think their spouse wants instead of like getting to know them like that would be awful Mm -hmm. that's that's a recipe for disaster and if you're not pursuing that in marriage like regularly or even your dating relationship if you're not pursuing knowing each other better because i promise you you can know each other better. And guess what? You're going to have to do it over and over again. Over With and every over. new season, as you get older, <sighs> you have to get to know each other again yeah. and again and again. We're it's, different people. It is never a one and done scenario. You're doing it all the time. It's always about time. I would just say those are those are the big points that you've got to look for. You know what I was thinking about the other day too, that I didn't know this before when looking for a spouse, but again, God was so kind in giving me that. But the way that Ryan believes in me, Like Mm. if I tell him a dream or like, I kind of want to do this the way he always immediately is like, do Do that. He calls it out of me. Like, and sometimes he sees things that I don't even see. That's huge. We were talking the other day and I said, I just don't know what to do with this. And he said, well, what would you, I'm doing contract work. And one of the clients, he's like, well, what would you tell her to do? And I rattled off three things. He was like, why don't you do those things? And I'm like, don't you, don't you turn this around on me right But now. you're right. Thank but you he for was being right. right. But that's what he does is he never discounts a dream or a calling. He never belittles it. He never makes it seem like, you know, that's not for you to do. He always calls it out and always champions it. And that... Pretty big. I did not realize I needed that or wanted that in a spouse. And, and I have it. And that's... 
You know, I also have someone who doesn't put the socks in the dirty clothes, but you know, it's give and take. You There's gotta... a lot of give and take. Mark keeps putting his, well, he chews up gum. He chews gum like he's a chain chewer. And so when he's done with his piece of gum, he wraps it up back in the piece of paper that it was in and he puts it in his pocket. And so at the end of the day, there might be nine and in there. wash it. And of course, I'm not checking the pockets. Oh, I don't check no. pockets. I remember this happened. He's done this to me. Before you left the old house. And I, and I came over one day and you were like in the dryer, like with tweezers. Cause like, you know what happens? That gum gets in the, the, the drum of the dryer and it sticks and then it gets on your clothes. And you know what? Then I think divorce. And then, I, and then I think, think, you know what? I can find another one. You know what okay. I think? I could train one faster than I could train him apparently because this is, I'm over this crap, man. If you could uproot <laughs> the knowledge you have now, if you could take your brain and put it into Brooke 15 years ago, okay. How would you approach a relationship, dating, marriage? How would you approach it knowing <gasps> now if you knew it then god it's such a different world i don't i would be i think number one i'd be so careful where i sought companionship Mm. like if you're expecting to go to a frat party or a even some online platforms to find someone like i'm not saying there can't be awesome relationships on online dating it's a different world i know that there's some really great places and that's where a lot of people meet people now i'm going to be in the places and around the people that i want to date so like I'm going to be in friend groups where they're like really great people that are mm-hmm. working hard and in a circle of people that I want to be around in the future. I, I don't, I don't, I'm like, I want to be in church that I want to find a person that wants to be in church. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't find them at church, but maybe they connect me to somebody because they are also hanging around similar people. Yeah. I just think number one, I would be careful where I'm meeting people. That's good. Um, two is I think we all play games when we're dating, especially when we're trying to make ourselves appetizing mm-hmm. for the general public. We're so concerned about our um, appearance. We're so careful about how to present ourselves career-wise. I don't think I'd play any games. I'd be like, date one, here's my insecurities. Date two, here's what I struggle with. Mm. Date three, like, I, I mean, I'm, I would be very, very vulnerable yep. because I don't want to waste your time. You don't want to waste mine. If you have a problem with what I struggle with, then this is not meant to work. Let's just go ahead and cut to the chase. You know, I had a single friend who said, Um, I realized that I was changing myself to fit who I was seeing at the time. And she was like, I think about if those had become long-term relationships that I would have had to completely change myself because of how I was showing up those first few dates because I wanted them to like me. I think that is so common. That's not a rarity. That's, that's Mm. a commonality. I have a very close friend that every time she would date a new guy, she would take on his persona or she would start dressing like him. It was mm-hmm. so odd because she was she was adapting to her environment, which I think there is some of that no matter where you go. But I, I am who I am. I've learned in my late thirties that I this is who I am. Mm-hmm. I I kind of embrace it. The short don't you feel like you're and, moving toward that in oh, your thirties? Of this is this is who I am. And Callie, it's the most liberating thing. But I really don't care what people think of me. Mm. I think some of that's with Mark though too, because like Mark loves me, and we've got this really great marriage, and I've got these really great kids, so. Outside of that, I, I'm secure. Mm. If people don't like me for who I am, like I've got my people. I've got my Callie. I've got what my else Mark. Do you need? I've got my kids. You're done. I mean, You're honestly, set. I think it's the most liberating age. Yeah. And maybe it gets better in time, but I don't care. I have heard over and over again that your 40s are the best because you genuinely settle into that of, hey, this is... I, my life is good. I'm okay with where my life is. I like I'm wearing those ugly shoes because yep. they're comfy. I like mm-hmm. wearing my hair like this because it's easy. Mm-hmm. I mean, truly, things yep. that I would spend time on that because I didn't want people to, you know, give me a hard time about, I don't care. Mm-hmm. 
It does. It does change something when you start looking at it through a lens of, I look around at what I do have and I'm good. Yeah. Like I'm good. And the opinions on it aren't really, because you, you, you spend a lot of your time making decisions based on opinions. Yeah. And I don't, you didn't struggle with that as much as I do. You're very much like, I don't care what you think. Screw your opinion. I'm going to do what I want. But I. You're getting better. Yes. I had a very bad pattern of that where every decision was based on what someone will think about it. Yeah. And man, is that an exhausting way that is to live? It way. is. Okay. First few years of marriage. We've talked about now in marriage. What do you wish you would have known the first couple of years? Start as you mean to go. We've said that, that a million the best times. Advice? Amanda really Hurley, a best advice. A few episodes ago, she said, not a few. Gosh, it was like. It's been a couple of years. Yeah, it's been. But it was one, her and Jimmy Hurley, her and her husband. Such a good episode about marriage. But that is the best advice I think I've ever gotten uh, for every area of life. If you want a marriage founded in Christ, if you want to have your kids in church, guess what? You can't start till you have, you can't start to, I'm sorry. You can't wait to start going when your kids are born. Mm-hmm. You need to be going now. If you want uh, a precedent of discipline in your house, you need to start now. Mm-hmm. Like all the things that you want long-term, you have to start with that. Mm-hmm. You don't, and that's another thing that after you've been married, like almost 15 years, we're almost there. You think that you just magically arrive at these places with like, we've got the great house and kids and jobs and stuff, but you don't just arrive there. You've got to make a plan. You've got to mm-hmm. start and those first few years are always so humbling because you're never where you want to be no. there. Yeah. You should be broke. Yeah. You should be like limited in your resources. You should be living on a lot less. Guess what? Everyone should experience that. Yes. But you don't arrive at more magically. Mm-hmm. You have to. And I mean, I mean more like in your marriage, yes. more in your whatever. You have to start working on that mm-hmm. from the get go. And commit to working on it. I'll, I'll never forget. I had a uh, job opportunity and I was just struggling through whether I should do it or not. And I kept seeing these red flags and I FaceTimed Brooke. I'm a random FaceTimer with Brooke. Everyone else gets a heads up. Brooke does not. No, like just it's just whenever it comes, it comes. And I was sitting in my driveway and I called her and I was like, I don't know what to do here. And I told her everything that had happened. And she said, all I can say is start out as you mean to go. If this is what's happening now, why do you think it'll be different later? And I just... I, I kid you not. The next call I made was to say no to the job because there's a truth to that. If you think that what what you're seeing right now in any area of life, if you think that's not going to be the norm, then you're kind of fooling yourself. But with every job, I was talking to a small group last night and they were saying, you know, when you're in job interviews, they pitch the the world to you. Yeah. Right. Like they, you can ask about culture if you want to, and they're going to paint a beautiful picture. You can ask about the the morale of a team and they're going to paint an incredible picture of it, but the, it is rarely the reality of it. And so if you're not paying attention to those red flags and not seeing that, Hey, this is going to play out maybe a little differently. And I needed someone else to be like, these are, these are red flags. Why are you not seeing it? I think the big, huge picture uh, lesson from that is things rarely get better than what you're seeing on the front end. Although we always tell ourselves it'll get better. Yeah. This job really is hard right now, but it, it's just because it, this is the season of work that we're in. This relationship is volatile and he's um, like verbally very abusive. And it, 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 you know what I mean? Like it could be any number of things and you make an excuse for, it, but it'll get better. No, mm-hmm. it won't. Mm-hmm. No, it won't. It very rarely gets better. So that's why if you see red flags, you address it and you get the heck out of Dodge if those, if the things don't change. Mm-hmm. Because I know, and especially in, um, 
if you're a follower of Jesus, that we know that God can redeem anything. We know the truth of that, but the redemption doesn't always happen and happen in the same place. Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? I think we can tell ourselves we'll stay somewhere or in a situation and think God can redeem this God. And he can, he can, but sometimes that redemption happens on the other side of obedience, on the other side of obedience. When you walk away, then you see what he's been redeeming all along. Yeah. Um, but I just, I remember when I was trying to make that hard decision, I was sitting behind or sitting by Ryan and I said, I know too much of the Bible. Like I can, you know, like I could like, uh, leverage stories to go either way on the decision, right? Like, oh, is this like David and he's waiting to become King. And so you just have to sit in the season and wait for 20 years, you know, or, or is this like Moses when you're in the desert and you need to stay in the desert or do you know, like, seriously, you could, you could literally take it. I would literally leverage, but what I was removing was discernment and wisdom from it. You know, I was just looking at stories face value and making them fit what I wanted them to fit. And that is the danger with the Bible sometimes is you can, you take all context away from it and you make it mean what you want it to mean. Yeah. Instead of leaning into oh, we're discernment. Good at that here. Yeah. Like the discernment and wisdom and especially the, the thoughts and wisdom of those around you to get to the real answer. It's a bit, I could go on a little bit, but I'm not going cause we're going to talk about babies. Babies. Hey, you're you know not what? having any more. Just FYI. I just want another baby. Yeah. I'm tired of you shutting this down. I just you're want one more little nugget. No, we are in a great stage. All of our kids wipe their own butts. It is true. They can swim in a swimming pool by themselves. They don't always do it well, but they can. Well, our husbands haven't even gotten there yet. I knew you you were going to go there. (laughs) Sometimes I'm like, how old are we? I know. How How are we still doing this? Someone made this point, uh, messaged the podcast when I was um, polling for uh, content that you might want. And they said, it feels like we sometimes treat motherhood as something to be nervous about or scared of. Like the way we talk about it, even jokingly is how hard and bad it is. And I thought that's kind of a valid point. That's fair. You know, why do you think we do that? And how do we shift that narrative? Well, I think motherhood just rocks our world because you can never describe it until Mm -hmm. you've experienced Mm -hmm. it. The love, like the unconditional obsession with your kids. Um, But it is hard too, because we we are selfish creatures. We were literally born into sin to serve ourselves. And all of a sudden, our time is no longer our own. Um, our schedules are no longer our own. Like, our bodies are no longer mm. our, our own. So the difficulty is there. Is it worth it? One million times. Yeah. One million yeah. times. But yeah, it is hard. And it's I also think, equally just so good. It is so good. And, and I think we we say those things and make those comments sometimes as a pressure release. Maybe. You know, like... Yeah. Hey, we all feel this, right? We all feel like this is hard or we all feel like this happened and this is ridiculous. You know, sometimes it's that pressure release because motherhood can feel isolating because you are bearing a lot, you know? And so that's off of that question. I started thinking, okay, what is a healthy pressure to feel? And what do you think we need to let go of? Because there are healthy pressures. You are discipling your kids. You are leading them hopefully toward a relationship with Jesus and to enter this world full of sin equipped and able to carry the name of Jesus, right? That's our end goal. That's what we want to be able to do. But then you're like, oh my gosh. And then you hear about all these people who are in therapy and counseling, me included. And you see what your parents, like the decisions they made, things they said that shaped you. So oh yeah, pointedly. so there's a, I think a healthy pressure to feel about it, but where's the line at? What's, what's a good pressure and when is it? Okay. That's too much. The pressure I am I reject now, I'm just now getting to the point, is the pressure from other people to for my kids to be like their kids or to be how 
like when an older person will speak like, well, my kids never mm-hmm. did that. You know, maybe an in-law or even your parents will say that to you and you're like, I don't care. This is how we're doing it. And that's mm-hmm. how I feel now. But once upon a time, that would have destroyed me. Right. Oh, you're, you mean to tell me your kids never ate hot dogs for seven nights in a row? Mm-hmm. Well, that happens in our house sometimes, okay? Yeah. And I'm just trying to make it. And so I don't feel that pressure now, but yeah, some of that stuff, it takes a long time to get to where you just I, release it. You're doing your best. You think about early on, I will never forget, I lived and breathed the what to expect when you're expecting app. <laughs> Yes. Not the book. The book terrified me. But the app, because there was a message board that you could get on and your kid at the same age. So like all the moms who had a kid between this window of time ah. would go through. And so it was sometimes validating because they would be like, oh, my kid's doing this too. So it's normal. Sometimes terrifying because then they'd be like, oh, my kid's rolling over and Henley's still just laying on her back. Won't even do tummy time. You know, it's almost like you immediately enter in and are thrust into this world of comparison. Almost it's hard as not soon to. as you have a baby. It is. It's very hard not and to. And you're hearing what everyone else's kid is doing or what you're and then you have well-meaning people telling you what your kids should be doing and then you feel like a failure because your kid's not doing that thing well the hardest thing in the whole world is when you give birth to a kid who is not quote-unquote a good baby like Mm. a good sleeper Mm -hmm. like passive temperament and I had a baby that was super easy and I had two babies that were not super easy and the my emotional uh being during those years of raising a newborn could not be more different. Like mm-hmm. when I had hard babies, I dealt with anxiety. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was such a terrible mother. I didn't know what, I felt like I never knew what I was doing. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I had an easy baby who I was parenting literally the exact same. They just had a different temperament. I ha- It was a breeze. I look back, I'm like, oh, I could have done that a thousand times. Mm-hmm. It's so crazy. But, but my comparison to how other kids were acting at that age or behaving in public is what swayed me to feel that way. Mm-hmm. It or, does. It does. And and you're constantly questioning yourself. Like every, and I, I just, the one thing I say to moms all the time now is two things, actually. One, every kid is different. I mean, every kid's different within your own family and every kid is different from the, your friends and yeah. your family for like kids. All of them are so different. Every baby responds differently. Every baby wants something different. You cannot group them together and all the best practices work for your kid because they probably won't. That is, that was such a pressure release for me to be like, kids are different. They're all going to do something different and it doesn't make it wrong. Uh, Our doctor was my favorite person in the whole world. And he was talking about just the comparison. Like I was having postpartum, a little bit of depression, some anxiety. And he's, he just used the example of like, he was like, Brooke, your babies are doing so good. Um, There are, think about the kids who are adopted. Okay. Maybe they come from a third world country. And when they get here, they're not nursed. They don't get breast milk. They get formula. And if you look at the statistics in the NCAA, the highest level of NCAA. athletes. Oh, yes. Yeah, NCAA. Okay. Most of those kids were adopted. Like so many of them were adopted or formula fed. Like we think for some reason that we have to have this perfect Has parental. Way. Like we have to give them mm-hmm. the absolute best and whatever that absolute best is so different for everybody. But they're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And he's like you got to release some of this stuff. So I was all of a sudden like, okay, great. I'm going to turn Mickey Mouse back on. Yep. I might fall asleep on the couch here real Mm -hmm. quick. And it's going to be fine. That is um, when we made the decision to let Henley have formula because nursing, I just, I couldn't balance nursing and working full time with Henley, my first baby, just because I didn't, I could not figure out the rhythm of it. When do I pump? When do I not pump? What if I'm sitting in the middle of a meeting? I can't just leave it and go pump or whatever. Yeah. Um, And so, and I also felt a little bit held hostage by nursing of like, 
It's hard. It's impossible you when you're yeah, working. Like, you, I don't know how you did it as you long can, as you did. You can't leave. You can't go anywhere. With Hagen, it was so much easier because I didn't feel the pressure. I was like, if this works, great. If it doesn't, that's okay. But bringing formula in, Ryan was like, this, you're going to do it. We are going to, we're going to supplement with formula. You can still nurse. And I still got that and did it with her at night and in the mornings. But bringing in formula was okay. It's okay. Like yeah. I can, I can move about freely. I can leave the house and not be a mess hoping that there's enough milk for her there. Right. And so I just think it's the release of this pressure, but also I sat across from a mom several, like a couple of months ago and her daughter kept getting in trouble at school. And she said, she just, she has to walk the track all the time. And it makes her so sad. And this sweet mom is like crying. Like, I don't know how to help her. And I don't know that I'm the one that can help her. Cause she's so different from me. And I don't know how to meet her in that. And I don't know how, like, and she just kept saying, I don't know what to do. And to be able to remind her, like when God was weaving her together, your daughter together, he specifically picked this strand of, you know, stubbornness and of like, um, just leadership in her where she's going to question things. Okay. He put that strand in her and then he gave her to you because he knew when he wove you together that you had what it needs to care for this baby. So true. And I just, I have to remind myself of that all the time, especially on the hard days. But 34-year-old Brooke, you're 34. 35. 35. You're yes, close. a year older, you're a year close. older. I always, well, I always think about when you said 33, you're Jesus here, and you were halfway through it, and you were like, I'm not, it doesn't feel very much like a Jesus here to me. I'm it not does. turning the world upside down right now. <laughs> um, I just will always remember you saying that. Um, what are you learning right now? That God's goodness is on full display despite what I feel is good. Is that fair? Hmm. That That's a big thing that I, I just... What's the song? I can see the evidence of your goodness all around me. Mm-hmm. And I can see the evidence of his goodness all around me in yucky stuff too. Mm-hmm. Because I've seen him use it to gain glory. And I think that's also a part of my walk where I've matured in Jesus, knowing that he'll get glory from any situation he needs to. And it doesn't look what we think. Like, it's not us praying for somebody to be cancer free. Like, if he chooses to cure that person, that's incredible. But sometimes his goodness is in not curing that person mm-hmm. and using them as a, a just a um, bullhorn to talk about how God's been so good in the midst of that and then point other people struggling to that situation to that example. Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. So I feel like when God is so good, which he has been so good, it's not always truly what we deem good. Mm-hmm. And it's not, and sometimes it's only in hindsight that it's good. Yeah. That we see the goodness of it. I was reading about, um, I was just preparing for the collective and it talked about the word remember and how in scripture it's in there almost like 300 times over and over again. Like, remember, remember, because God wants that to be like scripture itself exists as that, but then also teaching us to remember in the moments where it's really hard to see the goodness, to remember his goodness, because we can turn around and look and see it. And so why would it be different now? Why would it? Even if it doesn't look the way we think it looks, why would it be any different now if we just, if we remember what it was? So we end every episode and I already know what the answer is for both of us, because here's what we're going to do on Saturday. You're going to be so happy. We told you this. Okay. This is going to be your answer. If ever asked this Saturday, when this airs, it will be this coming Saturday. So if, if it is after May 7th, when you listen to this, you missed it. Ignore it. We're ignore so this part. You can turn it off. You're done. You can be done listening. Um, we're going to be in Knoxville. Yeah, we are. Brooke's going to lead a fit workout whoop, whoop. at Dick's House of Sports in West Knoxville at 9 a.m. 
And we are. Listen, you're going to be so happy that we told you this. Can I tell you, I've already started creating the playlist for that, and it is I'm going so to be proud. fire. You are. Cal. You have really honed your ability of playlist. I, I will tell you this. I think I got you. I won you. I won you over when I started playing '90s country. Gosh, it one day. gets me. The weather. Way down yonder yes. on a Chattahoochee. It's, it's, it's a combination of the weather right now. It when is. it gets warm and it's summer, I need 90s country. But I need for the Shania. rest of you who do not need that, we will not be playing 90s country at our workout at Dick's House of Sport, just so you know. 9 a.m. this Saturday. We would love to work out with you. It's, it's free. It's so fun. It's, it's so free. free. It's so much fun. All you have to do is register Go over to um, at the Fit Knox. Link is in the bio. Let us know you're coming. You can register when you get there yeah. if you'd rather do that. Listen, bring a friend or two. We've Come got on. the whole field. It's, it's so much fun. When all those people are out there together and we're just yelling at them and the mic goes out and I just have to keep yelling to try to bring the energy. You're my wooer. Oh my you're gosh. always going to be my wooer and it I appreciate is, you. It takes a lot out of me. It does. Cause well, cause also because you're holding babies I, and pushing I, I strollers around the track. Listen, you, I'm here for you. Whatever you, you need are. to be able to work out, I'll you take are. care of it. <laughs> Hey, I love you so I love much. You back. This life 101, I'm learning it all with you. Right Look, we're going to have to do another one of these in a month because we'll learn so we'll many new things. Every month, once a month, life 101. So not really because we're going to take a break for summer because you're going to take a break. She does. That's okay. okay.